Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Welcome everybody that's tuning in online. I'm just so glad that we have the opportunity to minister to people outside of our church that are just in our extended viewing audience. And man, we're reaching the world. So praise the Lord. You guys are just amazing to make that happen. So we appreciate that. But we're just uh, going to maybe do a message or two concerning this. And that is simply a message called, I love my church. You realize that church has a very significant role in the life of the believer. Amen. Now, once again, you might say, oh, well, you know, that this goes well or that fares well with you as the pastor because that's your business. Well, you realize that the church is not just a business. The church is the institution that God established for the well-being of his people. Right. And so, again, it's important for us to understand just the significance of the local church and that it isn't just a gathering or a social gathering, there is a significance to it for us as the life of a believer. And so we're going to be looking at just the value of the church uh, this morning. But before we do, I want to just kind of bring your attention to a a movie that you may be familiar with. Does anybody remember what was based on a book, really, is the book of, or the, the story called Narnia? You remember that story? Now, I don't know if you've read the books or if you've watched the movie, But if you did not know, that storyline of Narnia or the movie was really the gospel message just done or presented in a, 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 what's what's the word, A, a fantasy kind of illustration. But the whole story of it was based upon the gospel message of Jesus. And so if you've never seen the movie, I I encourage you to do so. It's really good. Uh, But I'm going to spoil it for just a moment. If if you are familiar with it, there is the wardrobe or like the little closet by which they go into. And as they press through and go through, they found out that there's some depth to it. And before they know it, they're over into another realm or another world, right? And it seems like this other world is parallel to their very own, but they press through and they find out that in this realm there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of good and evil. There's the kingdom of light and darkness. You remember that? And then if you recall, there's the lion that shows up and the lion is the one that rules the whole entire kingdom and that everybody honors and respects and, and reveres. But then when humans come into the scenery, and again, this whole uh, world or this realm is that of creatures and mystical beings and all this kind of thing. And so when it comes to these uh, uh, humans or these children that come into this realm, it's like they are from another planet or there's this something so significant that they are on another plane. But then one of the children falls or basically commits a sin. And because of that, there is a great uh, consequence or someone has to give their life. Well, the lion steps in and says, I'll give my life. And then when he does so, he sacrifices his life for the sake of restoring mankind. But when he restores mankind, what ends up happening is at the very end is that these kids get restored to kingship. They get restored to a place of ruling and reigning. And that's exactly what God has called us to be and to do. And, and the 
interesting thing about it is, is that when we watch that program or when we watch that movie and we think, oh yes, those are, uh, it's an interesting way to put a spin on it that there's this other realm, these other lives. But if you remember in the story, that realm was a greater reality to them than the one that they were living in. And if you didn't know it, when it comes to the people of God, the body of Christ, the Bible says that we're in the world, but not of it. The Bible says that on this earth, it's just a passing and proving ground that we're actually, it calls, it, uh, calls us aliens or sojourners, meaning that we're just passing through. We're just here for a moment. But our true citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And so the greatest reality for us as believers, even though we're in this world, we're not of this world, and we are of a kingdom that is not of this world, and it is the kingdom of God. Amen? And there is the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of Satan. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And if you're a child of God, you are in the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of darkness is constantly warring against and I say that for the sake of hoping to put that illustration or that picture in your mind because once again, if we're not aware of that, we'll get bogged down into just the, the daily affairs of life and just go through the motions and do day after day, the same, after, same thing day after day, and just living a normal, carnal existence. But God has called us for so much more. He's called us to rule and to reign in this earth and to be bearers of that light. Come on, somebody. He's called us to be representatives of the kingdom of God. And so uh, when it comes to the kingdom of darkness, uh, in fact, I could say it this way. If you're not a Christian, Satan, the Bible says, Satan is your God. And somebody would say, well, I don't ever worship God or worship the devil. Well, by default, if you don't worship God, Satan is your God. Amen? And that's why he said it's important that you receive Christ, that you would experience everlasting life, that you would be brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And so, we as the body of Christ, there is a significance for us to understand that we're not in this world, but we're, uh, we're, uh, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. But God has established the body of Christ so that we can learn how to navigate and function in this kingdom. You realize that church was not just a gathering place for you to come in and say, well, we got to pay some bills, so we got to take up an offering. Well, we sing kumbaya every now and then, and yeah, if you know, we're lucky, we'll have a fish fry, and praise the Lord, if we're lucky, we'll have a, maybe a good talk on Sunday morning. And then go home about our merry ways. No, the, 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 the local church was to help establish you, to help develop and mature you, to equip you for what God's called you to, and ultimately to build the body of Christ. Or in other words, multiply yourself. Amen. There ought to be all kinds. Well, in fact, I'll say it this way. There are all kinds of people that look like you. Anybody that you have the, the influence in uh, or have influence with, you are duplicating yourself. One of the greatest ways that you see the duplication is in your own children. Amen? You know, I think, was, was it your daughter that was just making some noise to begin with? Okay, so, Tim said, that, that does not represent me. That's all her right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, our kids are a direct representation. We are reproducing ourselves, are we not? 
right? And so what a great responsibility. And so the local church God has assembled to help establish that or to help in those times. But now again, in regards to the church, God says that the local church is very significant, especially in the time and the hour before my coming. Remember I said that we are of a different kingdom and the king of kings is coming to take the kings home. You say, well, who are the kings? You and me. The king of kings is coming to receive his family unto himself. But he said, now, when I get ready to come, he said, there are some signs that you will see that will help prepare you and get you ready. Well, why is it that we need to be ready or why do we need signs? Well, you realize as you're driving down the road, if you're driving down I-75 and there's a destination that you're wanting to get to, in fact, for that matter, if I'm going home, if I'm taking I-75 north, I live out in Clio, so exit 131 is my exit. So I'm looking for a sign, I'm looking for a signal, right, to direct me that this is my exit. Well, if I'm not paying attention, I'll just keep on driving, and before I know it, man, I'm up, you know, at the Mackinac Bridge, and like, how did I get here? Well, I missed my sign, Right? And so God has established that there is a season of getting off or getting to a place where you're departing and you've got to be aware of the exit that's coming. And he says, now, you could miss it if you're not ready, so let this be an opportunity to prepare you spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. Pay attention to the signs. And this is what Jesus said. Now, again, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it says... In those days prior to my coming, he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There will be nation against nation. Now, we oftentimes attribute that as other nations against other nations. But have you noticed that our nation, there is a divide? Nation against nation right now in this country? Probably more so than there ever has been. So nation against nation, he said there will be kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and pestilence. That word pestilence means plague or sickness. Have we seen that just as of late? Sure we have. He goes on to say that there's going to be earthquakes. He said that there will be people that are offended for the sake of the gospel. How many of you know that people are extremely offended at your belief systems? They're offended at the fact that you hold the values of the word of God to steer and guide your life. And how dare you even mention that to somebody else? Again, the gospel is a great offense to many. And then it gives, goes on to say that people will be giving to the flesh. And this is really speaking to the church. That people of the body of Christ will give themselves to following after the flesh. And their hearts will wax cold. Or they'll really just get complacent in their walk with God. Do we see that today? All those things that we just went through that Jesus, the head of the church, has mentioned, we see those in current culture. Now, you might say, we've seen those things and we've said those things in times past through the decades, but there has never been a time as there has been today. And there are so many things that have aligned themselves that tells us Jesus is coming soon. And he says, now, when you see these signs, get yourself ready. Now, in addition to that, as I said, the local church is very significant to the life of the believer. Not only that, we see over in the book of Revelations that God has spoken, and really, uh, uh, more accurately, Jesus has spoken or is speaking to the body of Christ through the book of Revelation. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. 
But, you, you know, concerning the book of Revelations, you know, some would ask questions, you know, concerning those. And I've never been one to really study after or just dive into that. There's other things that I know that I'm called to and so I've given myself to. And so when people ask me about it, I'm like, well, you know, this guy over here, they're really given or that's their specialty. So check them out, you know. And so once again, there's, there's times that we'll talk about these things. But for the sake of what we're talking about today, I want to address this as to what Jesus said in the book of Revelations. Because you realize that the book of Revelation is really the prophecy of what is to come and really the, the opportunity for us to, to awaken and get ready for His return. And so in Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus specifically talks to seven churches. And He calls them by name. One to begin with is the church of Ephesus. It's the church of Ephesians or the church of the Ephesian people. So it'd be no different if we put it in common terms of it's the church of Swartz Creek. It's the church of Flushing. It's the church of Flint Township, right? And so he addresses these churches concerning where they are spiritually. Because as he addresses it, he says, it's needful for you to understand where you're at because I am coming and you need to be ready. So give me just a moment, if you will, and bear with me as I purpose to read several verses. And again, uh, I'm going to jump a little bit, so you won't necessarily be able to follow me in your Bibles or on the screen. But just bear with me as I share. There's going to be several scriptures, but we're going to go through the list of the churches. And first of all is the very church, or the first church, rather, that he called the loveless church. Starting in chapter 2, it says... To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, I know your works and your labor and your patience. He said, in that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have pers uh, 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 persevered and have, uh, have had patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this thing against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else, now listen, he says, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. He who has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So notice what he says here. He says that to the church of Ephesus, he says, I want to address the spiritual climate of your church. He says, you have lost your passion, your passion for me. And as a result of losing your passion for me, you, you will lose your influence unless you make some corrections. And notice what he says. He says, as a result of losing your first love, if you do not repent, he says, I'll remove the lampstand from your church, which means you're going to have to shut down. You won't even be viable anymore. You'll just have to close the doors. Have we seen that in today's culture? Number one, have we seen people that have lost their passion for God? People that you might have known, that have sat next to you in church, are there people that have lost their passion? And I'm not saying that to be critical, and nor is Jesus. Jesus is not being critical here, saying, now, shame, shame. No, He's doing it because He loves them. And He says, now... He says, if you have ear to hear, I want you to hear this because you can repent. You can make it right. Come on, somebody. 
And then he goes on to say this. He says, now, there's the second church. And he said, now this church is the persecuted church. He says, I'm aware of all your painful difficulties that you have passed through, your financial hardships, even though, in fact, you possess riches and treasures. He says, I am fully aware of the slander that has come against you from those who have claimed to be Jews and are not, for they are uh, satanic uh, congregations. Do not yield to fear. Now listen to these words. Do not yield to fear in the face of the suffering to come, but be aware of this, that the devil wants to imprison you. He who has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So notice what he says here. He, now, he didn't say that there was anything wrong with this church. He didn't say that they had some things to correct. He said, in fact, he says, because of what you've been doing, he says, you've been experiencing persecution. Come on, have, has the church experienced persecution in this hour and in this season? Absolutely. Man, I'm telling you what, when we took some stands and made some bold statements in regards to this season that we've gone through of not bowing down to fear and standing up and saying, we be believe that Jesus is the healer. Come on, do you know how many times we've had criticism, people leave the church, people get angry at the things that you're saying because, dear God, heaven forbid, we simply say, let's trust God. Right? And so there's persecution that will come. Have any of you ever experienced persecution from family members? Sure. Are you going to the church again? Are you you got to live at the church? Is the church paying you to do that? Well, why are you doing all that? Right? So again, you'll experience persecution. And Jesus said, this is something that you need to be mindful of. This is something that is coming on the church. Great persecution. Then there was the third church. He said, this is the compromising church. He says, and to the angel of the church of Pergamos, write, I know your works and, you were, and, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And he says, you hold fast to my name and did not deny the faith or deny my faith, but I have a few things against you. Now listen to what it said. It says that they had a heart for God, there was a faith that they walked in, but he says, now I've got a few things against you because you have there, uh, because you have there those who hold the doctrines of Balaam and taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immoralities. These things I hate. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Notice what he says here. He says, there, are, there is the church that has believed in God, but rather than having strong leadership, there are individuals that have come in and started twisting and perverting and really leading the church in a direction that is contrary to the Word of God. Have we seen that in modern days? Absolutely. We see it all the time. But did you also notice it talked about Balaam and Balak? Did you know that Russia is building a, uh, a temple to Baal this very hour? Oh, yeah. Did you know that the Pope is uh, erecting a church that is going to be for all religions, Muslim, Christianity, and everything in between? Because, you know, it's coming to that place where it's just a one-world religion. 
Come on, we're in the hour. We're in the season. Jesus is coming. And He's wanting the church, the people of God, to get ready. Now, once again, I want you to understand something as we're addressing this, because he's saying, because here's the thing, people oftentimes say, well, you know, church isn't all that important. Whether I attend church or whether I don't attend church, it's not significant. I can go out in the woods and I can pray and I can worship God. I can have church out there. No, you can't. You can go out there and have your times with God, but you can't do church apart from the local assembling of the people of God. Amen? And so therefore, the local church is significant, and God said, or He's speaking directly to the church. So for instance, if He's speaking to the church of Ephesus, and you're not there, guess what? What He's saying may or may not affect you. Just like if I said, you know what, today, whoever wants $1,000 as you depart, we're going to give you $1,000 today. To the church of GVC. And everybody's like, woohoo! But if you're not here, don't come back and say, hey, listen, can I get a credit on that? I want to hear this. Can I get mine now? But no, listen, when it was here, you weren't. So are you seeing that there's a significance of the assembly of the local church? It's not the building and it's not the, build, the business of the church. It is the people that assemble together as the church that Jesus is speaking to. Amen? All right. He goes on to say, to the next church, the church of Thyatira. And he says, this is the corrupt church. He says, to the angel of the church of uh, Thyatira, write, these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like, a, like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works... The last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow the woman Jezebel, who calls herself prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to committing sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her, in, cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent." Of their deeds, I will kill her children with, de with death, and then all the church shall know that I am He who searches the mind and the heart. I will give to each one according to their own works. He who has ear to hear, let her let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, notice what he says concerning the corrupt church. He says that there is a spirit of Jezebel that comes into the church. Now, it talks about sexual immorality, but really the context of the spirit or the, that, that Jezebel is really a divisive, uh, uh, unsubmitted individual that comes into the church and wreaks havoc. Right? Now, you might say, well, what does that look like? Well, you, it might look like somebody that comes into the church and says, well, bless the Lord. You know, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. Well, I know that's how they do it, but that's not how I do it. I do it my way. Well, you realize that's just rebellion. Because if you don't like the way they do it, well, just go somewhere else where they do it the way you like to do it, right? But you, want, are you get what I'm saying. And again, we could, really, we could minister a, 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 a whole series on this because this runs rampant in the church. And that is, is just people that are rebellious or buck spiritual authority or leadership. How many of you know that God wants you to submit to leadership? And that word is not a bad word. 
When you go to the workplace, do you submit to the leadership? Absolutely. Well, why? Because you know that there's a paycheck that comes at the end of the week, and if you don't, you don't get the paycheck. Well, how come you can do it in the workplace, but when it comes into the house of God, well, you've got to just try to run the show. Well, it's nothing more than rebellion. It's the spirit of Jezebel. But notice what it says. Now, the word says that he will, he will bring death and sickness upon them, but really what it stands for or what it means is that he allows it to take place. Have you ever noticed that there are a lot of times where there are people that have a lot of sickness and things going on in their life? Or let me say it this way. For the individual that gives themselves to rebellion, in or out of the church, you open yourself up for sickness and disease because of the spirit that you allow yourself to be manipulated by. Hello? Well, you're awful quiet today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we could, we could spend a lot of time on that one, but we won't. We'll come back and do that again. I see we need some work on that one, praise the Lord. <laughs> come on, somebody. Now you say, well, listen. I don't want sickness and disease to come to my home. I don't want sickness and disease to fall onto my children. Then just adjust the heart if you feel like you've got some issues. Do you feel like you're ever going against the flow? Or do you feel like you've got to be that person to always make the correction? Are you always of a critical nature, just picking out the wrong things rather than the right things? Are you the ones that are, 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 are uh, purposing to be uh, divisive rather than being complimentary? If that's, if that's you, if you've identified that, just say, you know what? I'm purposing to repent from that because I don't want to open up the door to sickness into my life, nor my kids for that matter. Amen? All right. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, here's the thing. When you come and ask me to pray for you because you're sick, we got a checklist. Oh, can't pray for you. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't do that. <laughs> no, we won't do that. All right, let's move on to the next church. He calls it the dead church. He says, I know your works and that you have a name that are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. He says, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, remember therefore how I have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour in which I come upon you. He who has ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Notice what he says. You can get to... Now, again, this is one of those questions that people debate all the time. I am not one of the persuasion that once you receive Christ, you're just good to go. Because I believe that you can walk away from God based upon your choices. And this here, this scripture would even lend itself to even suggest that. He says, I've seen your works. He says, you've received the word. He says, but nevertheless, he says, if you don't take care of that deadness, that spiritual deadness, he said, there'll come a time when I come, you won't be ready and you'll miss my coming. And he's talking about the coming of the Lord. So what is he doing? He's saying, watch for the signs. Pay attention, because when I come, I don't want you to miss out. Amen? Then he says to the, the faithful church, he says, this is the church of Philippi. He says, I know your works. He says, see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. 
have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those in the synagogue of Satan who say uh, that they are Jews and they are not, but lie. He said, Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my commandments to, to persevere. And I also will keep you from the hour of trial. Uh, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. He who has ear to hear, let, the, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So the, uh, the church of Philippi, he says, you have been faithful. And he says, and you're going to be rewarded openly in front of everybody. He says, good job, guys. You've been faithful. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to be that church. I want to be a part of that church. You realize that in this greater Flint area, there have been churches that have closed down for various reasons. And I'm not going to be critical as to why one or another one closed down. But my point is this. I don't want to be a part of a church that closes down because the Spirit of God left the church. I don't want to be a part of a church that is rebellious and always going against the flow. In fact, let me just suggest this to you. You realize that we are in a GM town, right? And there is a... a, a mentality within the GM worker. Now, again, I worked for GM for, for several years. I've been a part of GM families for several years, so I know what I'm talking about. And I, because I've been a part of it, I can talk about it. But there is a union mentality, and I'm not against union. I'm actually pro-union. But you, there is a union mentality that says, if I don't like what you say, I don't have to do it. And if you get on me, I'll just call for my union rep, and they won't make me do it because they'll stand up for me, and you just can't do nothing. I can do drugs, I can drink, I can do whatever, and I can still have a job. I can still do whatever I want to do, and I can still get my paycheck. And so we've had this culture that has come over into the churches, and therefore it's like, well, preacher, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're wanting us to do. And so therefore, we're going to start our own church. And so they go, forth, go, go, go ahead and start their own church. They're disgruntled in their attitudes. They're, they're divisive in their nature. And what do they do? They attract all kinds of people from the church that are divisive and disgruntled in their own personal life themselves. And so you've got all these churches that are not healthy for people and turning people in a wrong direction rather than leading them to the freedom that you can experience in God. Amen? Now, you might say, well, how do you know that? This is what I believe and what I've seen throughout churches throughout this region. And for that matter, Genesee County has had the most churches per capita in the entire nation. And it would lend itself to say, well, why is that? It's because there's been disgruntled people that say, well, I want church my way. Amen. We're going to have to give it, do something to give... Give something away today or something just to make you all happy. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me share with you the last church. You doing okay? The last church is the lukewarm church. It's the church of Laodicea. And it says that I know your works. And he says you're neither cold nor hot. He said I wish that you were cold or hot. He said so then because if you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, he says I'll vomit you out my mouth because you say I am rich and because I'm wealthy I have need of nothing. He says, do you not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Once again, in the lukewarm church, notice what he says. He says, you've allowed yourselves to be distracted by wealth, by fun, by all kinds of things, and you thought you've been independent and doing okay. And he says, you just don't realize how miserable you are. 
and you have become lukewarm. And once again, these are all examples of what Jesus is speaking to the church of the last days. And he says, give attention. And did you notice that in his correction, it's a correction of love because he says, even though I'm bringing correction, you can still fix it. You can still repent, you can still get your heart right, and you can become zealous for God and return back to your first love. Amen. So it's not ever a hopeless case. You might be looking at your family structure and unit and thinking, dear God, it's hopeless because of the mess and the things that... No, it's not. Your prayers avail much. It can turn around. Concerning the churches of this region, it can turn around. And I'm just of the persuasion that this church, GVC, is going to be one of those churches that is in the forefront in these last days that we are going to be people that are just trusting God, loving God, loving people, and loving life. Amen. And so once again, he said, you can change the outcome if you'll return to your first love. Now real quickly, as we wrap this up, Notice he said, there are consequences. There are consequences. And those consequences are not consequences of God's design. He said, these are consequences that are just what happens when you choose to do your own thing. When the church doesn't assemble and esteem itself the way that it needs to, consequences happen. He says, how is it that you repent? He says, return back to your first love and return to the first works. Do you know what the first works are? It's about people. I want to challenge you. If church is not something that is a priority in your life, then maybe it's time to take some inventory. If we're so busy and distracted that lost people are not our priority, then maybe we need to take some personal inventory. Maybe we've gotten so distracted and so busy that we are not aware of just really how far we've gone. But Jesus is saying, you can repent. You can draw near. And you might say, well, how do I do that? You know, there's that old saying that says, fake it till you make it. I just like to say it this way. Faith it till you make it. What does that mean? To faith it means, or faith has corresponding actions. Do you realize that you'll never feel your way into feeling better? But you can act your way into feeling better. It's a proven scientific fact. So you might be dreading going to church all week long. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to get up. I just, uh, you know, they're going to ask for money. You know, they just put the worship up on the screen. And pastor always goes at least five minutes over. I just, yeah, I just. <laughs> yeah, yep. Or you could say, you know what? I can't wait to get to church this week. I'm not going to miss out what God has for me. Oh, I can't wait to get my family in church. You can act your way into feeling 
better. You might say, well, I don't really know where I'm at. If you've got kids that are still in your home, ask them how they think and how they feel about church. Because whatever they tell you is probably a result of what they've heard you say. So if your kids are saying, I don't really want to go to church, look at the source. Hmm? All right, we'll just leave that one alone. Why don't you stand with me? Let me share this last thing with you here. The American Medical Association surveyed 76,000 people over a 20-year period of time, and they discovered the following to those that went to church. Those who went occasionally were healthier than those that didn't go at all and had, had an average of a 13% lower mortality rate. Those who went to church once a week had an average of a 26% low, lower mortality rate than though, uh, and were healthier than those who did not attend. Those who went to church twice a week had an average of a 33% lower mortality rate than though, and were healthier than those that did not attend. The report also showed that church attendance had a greater impact on their health than any other social group or community volunteer group. So, now I'm... <laughs> Do I go there? Ah, well, we'll just leave it at the facts. All right, praise the Lord. It says that church attendance caused people to be healthier than any other social group. So your bingo, your Friday nights, your hobbies, your athletic events, doesn't compare to the power of the local church. It says the most interesting part of this survey was that it was not based on any theological position. Only those who assembled with their church. See, there is a power that only comes through the local church. You are better when you're a part of the local church. I'm not talking about the name on the marquee. I'm talking about gathering. I need you. You need me. And we're better for it. Amen? Now, you might say, are you trying to, me, trying to get me to attend church more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so that we fill seats, but because I want you to be healthy. It's because I want you to experience God's best. And it's because I don't want you in that day to miss out by chance that you're not ready. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me just pray for you as we depart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every single person that's here under the sound of my voice, those that are watching online. God, I pray that they would hear the heart of you speaking through my mouth. That it is not a condemnation message of trying to manipulate us to be in church, but God, it is your desire that we as your family, as your kids, assemble together to become passionately, madly in love with you. And have the heart that you have. And that is a heart to reach people. And to build the family and the kingdom of God. So we thank you for it in Jesus name. And everyone said.
Amen. Amen. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.